Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies the Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always, I'm joined by Keith. Hey, and Brad. What's up? This week we're going to review the Marvels, the uh, 33rd installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you know, if we're going to talk about a comic book movie, we got to have some guest stars. So, welcome back, friend of the podcast, Matt. Matt, how you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Thanks Always. for being here. Thanks for being here. You know, like I said, um, this is the sequel to the 2019 movie Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson. And it's kind of a semi-sequel, synergistic meeting of Ms. Marvel, the television show uh, character that debuted in 2022, starring Mon Valani as Kamala Khan. And then um, Captain Rambo, who made her debut in WandaVision, um, being played by Tiana Paris back in 2021. So those are the uh, titular Marvels. But before we get anything else... Let's uh, have Brad do the summary, and then I could talk about the director and some of the other cast, and we'll jump right in. So, Brad, what's this movie about? Summary is always courtesy of IMDb. Carol Danvers gets her powers entangled with those of Kamala Khan and Monica Rambeau, forcing them to work together to save the universe. Okay. This movie is directed by Nia DaCosta, who recently directed the Candyman remake that I think we all enjoyed. Um, I mentioned Brie Larson reprising her role as Carol Danvers from the first movie, Tiana Paris, and Amon Vellani, we also mentioned, and Zawi Ashton, Gary Lewis, Parkstein June, uh, Zenobia Shroof, Mohan Kapoor, and of course Samuel Jackson. They're either reprising their roles or making their debut in this movie. But enough about that. Um, I'll go to our guest first. And um, Matt, what was your first impressions of the Marvels? Uh, I thought that the Marvels was a very fun movie, right? You know, in, in a kind of run of movies from marvel where it feels like they're too long or they're trying to pack way too much uh interconnected universe stuff in there this one kind of brings brings together different things like you said ben it's it's a sequel to like you know three or four different things depending on how you look at it but it does it in a way where they're really just telling one story throughout it and i appreciated that it was it was simple i don't know that it coheres all the way through it has has some stuff we can definitely talk about but it's uh it's it's a fun it's a fun movie and i i enjoyed it i had a fun time at the movies i'll say all right i guess we'll go brad and then down the line so brad i really enjoyed uh brie larson's performance as carol Danvers. i thought was good i think they actually gave her emotion in this movie which they, they kind of lacked they actually gave her character development too which you, you didn't really see much either everybody else the the uh the the trifecta of uh, lead actresses here her uh tiana paris was good and the she she gets to shine in a non-support role. She knocks it out of the park when she's there. And uh Amon Vellani's just like a ball of sunshine through this. Her her character development from um Starstruck fan to um just a member of the little mini team there was uh, was well done. Yeah, keep what you thinking. Yeah, you know, you guys are all right. And I like to look around at critics that I like, and I love Christy Lermeyer, but she actually said this is the worst movie yet in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love strong hot takes, but it's almost completely wrong. It's not not a perfect movie, but y'all are right. It's big and goofy and fun. I like the movies by Taika, and you know, there's some James Gunn in this. It's it is a, it is you're right, Matt. A great standalone movie, but not only does it bring in those things, it's also a great bridge to the future, which Marvel has not been able to do in movies that were supposed to be you know more important than this one. It packs a lot in there, but it all comes together, and I I really liked it. Yeah, it was kind of a palate cleanser for me, I think. The last couple movies we've watched, um, you know, I guess the one I'll point to is Ant-Man Quantumania. 
it's kind of indicative of some of this Marvel malaise that we've had recently where when I watch it, I'm just like, can we just fast forward to the end credits to see who the cameo is? And like, I don't really care about the story and I don't feel good about the stakes, but you know, this movie and Guardians of the Galaxy 3, they kind of feel self-contained in a good way. They have their own universe. And, you know, there's, of course, there's some cameos from some other people and some other movies. But, um, you know, there's just enough story and it was edited tightly enough where I didn't really feel bored with it. The first 45 minutes flew by. I looked at my watch. I'm like, wow, this movie's already halfway over. I don't think Brie Larson has quite found Captain Marvel um, however, I think the performances of Amon Vellani and Tiana Paris kind of help cover that up and creates a good chemistry between the three of them. And, um, you know, some of the side stuff with Kamala's family, I thought was interesting. Um, you know, Samuel Jackson's always good, though. Part of me is kind of confused where this fits in with Secret Invasion. But, of course, if they just <laughs> ignore Secret Invasion, I'm fine with it because Secret Invasion, whack. We'll do a stake draft. I'll start off the re the actual ratings and we'll end with Matt and then we'll jump into some of the other, you know, timely stuff like the Rotten Tomatoes and the box office. So I'm going to steal Keith's uh, thing. I'm going to give this an affectionate three. You know, I was going to go there too, but I will go a half star higher just because they there was a lot at stake here to have three female leads. They were all, even though Ben's right, Brie Larson was the weak link. She was still very good. Ida Costa really pulled it off, so I will give it three and a half stars. I did a little research and history diving. I went to look at what I gave Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania, and uh, after looking at it and realized I gave him a three and a half, I had to question myself because <laughs> that was not a three and a half movie, especially looking back on it. So this, in my opinion, is a three and a half movie. I gave this three and a half out of five. I think, uh, like Matt said, some of the story beats might have been a little iffy and there there might have been some plot holes that unfortunately an hour and 45 minute movie while also very good to watch and very breezy could have maybe expounded upon a little bit but probably not much still good movie i enjoyed it i'll give it a three and a half out of five so matt what you thinking uh i'm gonna go with a three and a half out of five as well and i was on the fence about whether or not it would be more like a three but i i just i kind of really just so enjoyed the, uh, you know, as, as you guys mentioned, the kind of the chemistry between the three leads. And that was just, that was just fun. I mean, that, that kind of helped keep it going. And it also, as we've already kind of talked and we'll probably talk more, like kind of covered over some of that, that Brie Larson, Captain Marvel kind of just, just awkwardness that's still present. I would agree with that point too. Okay. Brad, why don't we go with uh, Rotten Tomatoes and we'll let our guests lead off and then um, we'll follow that up with the box office once everyone's guessed. So. All right. Critics and audience. Uh, uh, Matt, why don't you go first on it? What What's your thoughts on it? I, I had heard that this was getting, you know, a, a lot of negative reviews. So I don't know, you know, I don't know where it's at right now compared to where it was like Tuesday uh, when some of the early stuff was coming out or whenever. But uh, but I'm going to say like 65 for critics and I'm going to go a little bit higher and say 80 for audience. You know, I know Matt's in the ballpark, but I want to be a little optimistic too. So I'll go 60 with the critics fans uh they, people like their marvel i'll go i'll go 85 i'm gonna put the caveat that um i think i know what this is i i saw <laughs> come across through social media the critics so mm -hmm. if i'm right then it's it's mm -hmm. not because i'm brilliant i just probably saw it already um i think it's 55 for the critics audience i don't know so this is my true shot in the dark um i'm gonna be hopeful that i'll say 77 all right. Well, Keith, you're on. You're on with the audience. Eighty-five percent, one thousand plus reviews. Good. 
Critics, 62%, uh, 268 reviews. That's better. So, so good. However, as far as lowest scores given by critics for MCU movies for Rotten Tomatoes, this is the third worst movie at 62%. Only The Eternals at 47 and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania are lower at 46. Um, <laughs> the other two movies that were in the 60s range was Thor Love and Thunder with 63% and The Incredible Hulk at 67%. So that's for Rotten Tomatoes. As uh, the critic consensus, uh, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, funny, refreshingly brief, and elevated by chemistry of its three leads, the Marvels is easy to enjoy in the moments, despite its cluttered story and jumbled tonal shifts. And the weekend box office, um, the Marvels did finish in first. Uh, do you want to quick take a quick guess on how much? Just give it to us. All right, forty-seven million dollars, which Ooh. is. I looked the lowest box office uh, ever for opening for an MCU movie. Brad, if I can ask you to do the spoiler thing. Turn away! Fly away now! Okay, okay. So we can talk about this movie openly. Um, so let me follow up with you, Matt. Um, you know, you were saying that some of the, I don't know, plot stuff maybe kind of bugged you. So um, let's talk about some of the stuff that bugged you. There's really no getting around it. You know, some of the emotional beats of the movie are rushed to an extreme degree because when we start thinking about it now that we're in full spoilers, right, we see multiple planets that are, you know, devastated. And at the end of the movie, we don't even know if that's been reversed or fixed or anything like that. <laughs> and everybody kind of gets over that pretty fast. It's just the way that I would put that. Like even like the like the hardest part probably you know, kind of what's meant to be one of the most emotional moments is where they go to the scroll planet or the scroll colony. And, you know, they can only save so many of them because their world's, you know, atmosphere is being just absolutely destroyed. And they have to make hard choices. Like Miss Marvel's character wants to, you know, just kind of save as many as possible. Captain Marvel says, no, we got to go with who we've got. And, you know, five minutes later, everybody's fine. You know, the, yeah. emotionally, Miss Marvel is like, bummed but then she's talking about how she's excited to be twinsies with you know captain marvel again you know it's a it's just a, a little bit of emotional whiplash that happens based on the fact that you know we gotta we gotta move on to the next set piece and and i liked all those set pieces i liked all the different visits to planets i i don't know brad i'm especially curious about you whether or not you liked the singing planet or not um why is everybody What's everybody curious about how if I like the singing thing? It's almost like people don't think I like fun or something. I'm just curious about that. that that's so. a whole a whole other episode, but yeah. I thought there could have been a little bit more emotional weight when they're when the marbles are in the field, right? When they crash yeah. land and yeah, exactly. And Carol kind of cops to like, well, you know, this is this is my fault really because I just went in guns blazing and I didn't think about the consequences. On the micro level, though, I, I did think they got so. You're right. You guys, there were big gaps in the emotional moments, but when um the, the reunion of Monica and uh, Captain Marvel, I thought they handled that very well. Also, the Khan family played into this with um you know Ms. Marvel. You know, I loved Blue Beetle this year, and I think the family the family element in this one was almost as strong. So you're right. There were big gaps on some of the big emotional moments, but they got the smaller moments right. And I really like that's those are the chemistry that I really liked all that. Yeah, I agree. There was definitely some emotional um, stuntness in some of the some of the scenes, but um, I I do agree with Keith though as well. It's like I think the reunion they had between uh, Carol Danvers and Captain Rambo, I think they that was done pretty well. Amon Vellani, I think she. She did a real good job, sort of like blending in with like the the older cast. 
Ben, you mentioned it, you know, just briefly, but the comparison of Samuel Jackson in this compared to Secret Invasion is like night and day. I mean, he is just he's a much more enjoyable character in this. He's he's playing off of things in a much more fun way. There's is still the you know, there, there are like these little hints, you know, he's not he's not the most physically fit guy anymore uh, in the movies. And, and so it's like but it, but it's not like. I mean, I mean, I hated Secret Invasion. You know, that was just a that was an abomination wow. of a show. Yeah. <laughs> in so terms, of, I didn't finish it. You guys have yeah. reaffirmed everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, if I had to rank it, I'd give it a one out of five, and that's generous. So. So it was like you know, it was it was really nice to see you know a lot of characters that we we know can be you know well first of all they're like all amazing actors right and so you kind of watch a show like this or a movie like this and you're kind of like why is it you know if it's not really clicking or if it's not working you're just kind of wondering what's going on here why is this not you know flowing better and and you know marvel's you know process is you know very well documented now especially with that that recent book that came out that, that kind of talks about their very um different movie making style a lot of reshoots and lots of editing and stuff like that but it was really nice to see it just everybody everybody seemed like they were like having fun with each other as they were kind of like bouncing off of each other in scenes and you know sometimes literally bouncing off of each other in different <laughs> things and i mean it was it was it was just a lot of fun which was which has been missing it feels like from a lot of the movies so a lot of them have had humor but it always feels like it's a very jarring humor like the ant-man quantumania uh, humor about like Modoc and being extremely weird or something like that. That feels like that kind of comes out of left field and it's not necessarily, you know, I don't know, alive the same way that I thought these characters were really, I don't know, just, just being present and, you know, a lot of charisma coming, coming forward from them, yeah, which the, was cool. The humor almost felt genuine compared to like some, yeah, of, the, some of the other movies, it. but it has almost felt forced. So so I agree with you on that one. So yeah, the, and the I was actually also pleasantly surprised about the amount of action and the level of quality in the action. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not spoiling it. Well, we're in spoilers, but you know the <laughs> the whole premise too of the three of them kind of switching switching places when they use each other's powers. I was like, oh, that could be a disaster, very gimmicky. Yeah. But um, that really like kind of first fight sequence when they all figure out that they're doing it and they all kind of get in sync. Um, that was I I like that. That was a pretty fun yeah. action sequence. The training was pretty good too. To uh, Beastie Boys Intergalactic, Intergalactic. That was yeah. that was pretty good. If too. They just hadn't grounded into us all year in the trailer. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, um, exactly. To go with the humor though, I was you know very happy. You know, seeing the trailer, I was wondering why in the world is Captain Marvel wearing this big goofy hat. I think it could have been a lot. It could have been very offensive. It could have been anything. But when, when the reveal of Aladna, I had no idea that was coming. And it was out of the blue. And it was just really fun. And the scene with all the Florkins to cats. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, there's, there's a movie with Brad. Brad, you know, never was going to laugh at when Brad laughs. He laughs out loud. I was not with them. But there were eight people in my theater, including me. And we all laughed not yeah. throughout that scene out loud yeah. oh okay. it was it was james gunn bizarre but it still yeah. fit in really well and that was it was just thoroughly fun i mean ben, ben can attest i laughed i laughed hard at that scene that was that was a that was a good i'm scene. shocked i thought you were going to say that you could hear brad laugh from your apartment <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, i never know what makes brad laugh but that so. one had everybody laughing out loud it was just a very very bizarre yeah. very so. bizarre but very yeah. well done scene. And, and i'll go ahead and say this because matt kind of was mm -hmm. was teasing it i I enjoyed the the dance and song number. It was interesting. It yeah. didn't get grating like like the first five minutes of Barbie was was kind of grating to me. But I mean this 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 was uh, this was this was interesting. So I I 
I mean, I, I I'm not a song and dance guy, but I mean, it, I kind of got in the groove. I mean, and, and it's and it's cool mm-hmm. seeing like uh, a Mama Lonnie just kind of just start getting. She's like, oh yeah, this I know this. Yeah. So she's <laughs> like, and, yeah. and Tiana Paris is like, what are you doing? It's like so that was that was that was good. It brought a lot of emotion out mm-hmm. there. So I I enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. it's it's a shame it didn't get much more than that. When one hour forty five minutes, you only got so much screen time. So. Can we talk about the cameos? Um, I think that I think it's time. The Tessa Thompson Valkyrie one. I love Tessa Thompson. It was probably the most kind of superfluous to just like, hey, yeah. we'll just bring her in. It's cool. We <laughs> like her. I think the 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 two that I kind of laughed and I just like, okay, I you guys are ending on a good note. Obviously, when I'm, Amon Vellani, and I don't know if like I don't know if Kamala Khan like talked to Nick Fury and like yes. get the yes. script yeah. and memorize the script, but you know that was that was good. I, yeah. I laughed mm-hmm. at that too. That yeah. was good. So yeah. uh, like you know, a peek behind the curtain. The three of us had, um, just did a uh, Brad education movie with um, True Grit, the remake. That's like mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld's like cinematic debut, and mm-hmm. it was nice. It was a, just a weird, small, unintentional full circle moment that she popped up in this movie. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye is one of my favorite movies. Uh, tv shows and i'm glad to see her in it and then you know the the pose the mid credits too when um when kelsey Grammer showed up i was just <laughs> yeah. like that one i was like I, yeah. that's what i was like the most tickled i was see, like here's the thing i thought i would react better than what i did i mean i clapped i was like oh yeah i mean i i, I mean i was i was happy it's just i thought i'd be a little more boisterous than it was but i guess as since we've had false starts since what mm-hmm. spider-man no way home I no guess? Ralph, far, boner. Far from home. ralph boner is probably mm-hmm. the first one you know from wandavision yeah, yeah. i mean we've had yeah. so many false starts i guess i was like that's cool they finally do it and i mean there's only one movie coming out in 20 one mcu movie coming out in 2024 and that's deadpool mm-hmm. 3 so i mean maybe that's a sign of uh things to come so what do you, what do you think matt and then we'll kick it to keith mm-hmm. um I, I was surprised the way that they decided to do that. The, maybe it's the placement of it as much as anything else that they had that that what felt like a post credits or mid credits, you know, stinger as the final scene of the actual movie because it did feel a little, in my mind, disconnected uh, from from the narrative that they were telling. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. My big question about the what it seems like they're setting up with a young Avengers team um, is when are they going to do a young Avengers thing? You know, like where are they going to show up? Uh, Exactly. Which is kind of, you know, as much as I enjoyed the cameo of, you know, beast from the X-Men popping up uh, in his, in like, you know, 1970s looking, you know, beast, uh, you know, ape version of beast uh, uh, with the, the hair and the blue and everything like that. It wasn't that weird version of that Kelsey Grammer played back in uh the third X-Men movie. I thought I thought that was great, but I just don't know when we're going to see the X-Men show up, you know, when it's not a cameo, when it's not an alternate universe thing. And I don't know. I just don't I'm I'm kind of it's one of those things where I can only kind of get so excited just because they have been doing so many teases without what seems to be like a clear plan for it to for when they're going to show back up. It was cool. I just it's basically the MCU problem. I mean, it's been since since phase four started, there's been no clear path what's going on. I mean, they've they've announced movies and stuff, but I mean they've done really little to tie it all together. And I think that's been the main problem with well, not maybe not the main problem, but a big problem for the MCU. It's like yeah. we don't know where it's going. Like I I keep on bringing this point every single time we we come to an MCU movie, but I mean, 
the first time the first time we got a direction where it was going was the Avengers, which was what the fifth movie in phase yeah. one. So I mean, we've had oh I don't know what six, seven, eight movies and since since Avengers Endgame and still got no path. Yeah, you're right. But you know, if there is gonna be a young Avengers, you want to start it with those two, I am one hundred percent in. Yeah. Because the Avengers had big personalities. If you think about this round, there haven't been a ton of characters that have that personality you latch on to. Mamalani has it, Haley Steinfeld has it, Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel are both to me top five Marvel shows. So the foundation is solid. Now, you know, granted, I love the Thor movies. And I just, even if it was superfluous, I just smiled so much when Tessa Thompson appeared. It, it just it's, it's just fit the spirit of this movie with being goofy enough, but not too goofy that she would drop in. I've got to, I got to be the Debbie Downer here. So I think that's my role here, but. Um, We're used to it. Yeah. One of the few weak points in my, in my opinion on this movie is, is uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Zawe Ashton is uh, Darben as the, mm-hmm. as the main, main villain. They gave her motivation. The backstory was definitely there, but just, something just seemed like it was—it wasn't just clicking. I don't know if they didn't have her, they didn't give her enough. There wasn't enough direction on the character. I don't know if it's just that basically she turned into in the end almost like a mustache twirling villain. I, I don't know what happened because usually, initially early in the MCU, it's like they were just a villain to be a villain. Now. Yeah. It's like most villains get motivation, which is good, but you got to grow upon it. And it didn't seem like they did that with her. I, I don't know if y'all have any thoughts on it, Matt. You got any thoughts on it? So. Well, I would agree, Brad, that it seemed like it, it was kind of a return to the Marvel villain problem that they've had where they just kind of they, they want the they want the heroes to be the star. And, and so they spend a lot more time on them, which which makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and what happens is that you get a villain that, you know, it makes sense because, you know, she's part of the same, you know, race or whatever. But she's she's a lot like, you know, Ronan the Accuser from the original Guardians movie, somebody that's really upset, has some motivation we don't really get the nuance of that motivation in too much detail and ultimately it doesn't matter because uh she she is you know so possessed with this that you know she literally blows apart uh at the end of the movie very similar mm-hmm. to how ronan uh did at the end of his movie in guardians one so it's you know just another situation where it's just not a full not a full character a little flat there Ben, I had a I had a thought based on something you said before okay. that that really kind of jumps out to me. It's like the character of Carol Danvers, as played by Brie Larson, is a really you know, it, it's like you said before. She it's 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 very similar to how Chris Hemsworth. It took him several movies to figure out how to make Thor into something really interesting. However, all of the criticism about Chris Hemsworth playing Thor was that he was kind of bland, you know. I mean. Whereas Brie Larson has faced, in my opinion anyway, a, a lot more criticism and a lot more kind of, you know, misogynist and and maybe a little sexist uh, criticism as well. And, and you know, there have been interviews with her uh, where it seems like she she's kind of lost a lot of her, I don't know, passion that maybe she once had about taking this role. And I, I just think it's a real shame because we've seen many times how it takes a couple of movies for these guys to find themselves i mean chris evans didn't necessarily find captain america all the way until probably winter soldier you know like that was 
that was something where he needed to kind of find his tone. I mean, Spider-Man, you know, uh, I think Tom Holland found it pretty quickly, but it's his character, you know, the way he played the character still evolved a little bit through the first couple of uh, uh, appearances. It's a very different portrayal in Civil War than it is in like Far From Home even. Um, And it just seems like it's a real shame that Captain Marvel might, uh, like you said, Brad, they might have to kind of like shift shift course with her a little bit just because of this appearance that it's not working or something and i i don't necessarily have a solution for that or anything it's just something that that jumped out to me it's like man if she maybe had just one more time because she was more interesting in this movie bouncing off of you know these other characters this way you know maybe she just maybe she just can't do a solo movie the same way that you know some of these other characters can i i don't know anybody have any thoughts on that she could be an elder statesman if you will if they're ever going to make a new avengers team I could see she's kind of removed from everything. And I can see that, you know, I set this character all the time because he's my favorite. But Dr. Manhattan is a mm. character who, you know, kind of oversees everything, is afraid of his power. If they were, if they kind of played um, Captain Marvel along that angle, I could see her sticking around. But I think there's a place for her. But you're right. She needs to agree and they need to find it. So I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I probably what's best for her is probably... Now, they did it for legal reasons for the Hulk, but maybe she's just better as a co-star. You know, I don't know what movie she would co-star in, but um, maybe that's what it maybe that's what it should be. And I'll take the pressure off her so she doesn't have to headline it. Uh, she'll have more time to she'll have more time to find the character. And, you know, so going off what you're saying, Ben, um, I mean, Chris Hemsworth had uh, Tom Hiddleston as well as Loki. I mean, they, he had somebody to like yeah. bounce off of throughout like most of his appearances as Thor. So, I mean, it's all she needed was probably probably somebody to bounce bounce off of her, like Ben saying, like having like a co-star, just somebody yeah. that just like uh, makes an equal and makes it easier to act with and all that stuff. It was better. She was better this time because she had some people to act off of and react to with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tiana Paris and Amon Vellani. So if he had another movie to again to feel comfortable, I just I don't know. This it's complicated. I guess is yeah, the, yeah. Is the best way to put it. So I mean that's basically MCU's right now. I think we might have shot our bolts. Let's do some closing thoughts, and um, I'll go first. We'll end it with Matt because Matt's usually the most eloquent. So it'll be it'll be a good. We'll end it with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but you might want to start with me then, because I tend to be the most br- br- brutish when it comes to my comments. But uh, uh, you know. I enjoyed the movie. It was a it was a good uh, not reboot, but I've been just so down on Marvel and Disney Star Wars stuff for a while, and um, I didn't hate this movie. And uh, you know, maybe that's a backhanded compliment, but um, <laughs> it, it was it was kind of what I needed, I think. And it 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 won't be on my top ten list, but um, you should go watch it for sure. And I think the there's some hope in the future. I think uh, what I saw. So uh, Keith. Yeah, I'll just echo Ben. You know, I, I the hype around this one, unfortunately, was almost entirely anti. I like to go to a movie and be surprised. You know, everyone around me had fun with this movie. I did. And go see it in the theater. If you have any qualms, get over it. Uh, it's a big, fun Marvel movie, and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, that's second Keith about this being a fun, fun movie. It is a very fun movie, and it's uh, it's got some ties into what might be coming in the future. But, I mean... Like he said, I mean, there's been a lot of negativity, not only with this movie, just MCU in general lately. And um, this movie's, uh, it's not perfect by no means, but it's uh, its an hour and 45 minutes. It's very fast. It's um, just turn your brain off. Enjoy uh, alien cats eating people and uh, flying in space. 
Yeah, this is one where I just I, I I think it's such a shame that the hate kind of came on so strong for this movie. It just, in my opinion, is not getting a very fair shake, you know, as as at these first looks anyway. You know, Brad, you said it before when you were kind of reading off some of the Rotten Tomatoes scores and stuff like that of the other movies. There's no way this movie is worse than like the first Ant-Man movie, right? You know, this is not worse than, you know, Incredible Hulk, Thor the Dark World, you know, like a lot of these movies that, that uh, you know, received better Rotten Tomato scores. And it just kind of comes down to this idea about expectations. You know, we want these movies to be like these really great self-contained stories and also amazing, you know, uh, uh, like far reaching, you know, continuity connecting pieces. And that's, that's just really tough to do. You know, I think if you actually look at even some of our favorites from the Infinity Saga, like Endgame and Infinity War, you can find spots where the movie making is not the thing, right? It's just the tapestry of these characters coming together and you didn't maybe get to see your favorite characters unless you were uh, a huge Captain Marvel fan like my wife is, right? But that doesn't change the fact that it's still, you know, it was a really fun superhero movie in space too, you know? And so sometimes that's one of those things that can feel kind of disconnected or feel like it's not real or feel too cold or sterile or something like that. And this really this had a lot of heart that was a part of it as well, even with some of those emotional beats that they kind of skimmed through. So I was, I mean, we've said it a couple of different times. This was like a really good antidote to some of my biggest annoyances of the last several Marvel movies. And I hope that they don't, you know, see this say like, Oh, this didn't work either. So what are we going to do? We'll, we'll pay, you know, $4 billion to Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. to get them back and, and think that that's just going to solve everything. They just need to keep making good movies and the turn, you know, the tide will turn on that, that perception too, I feel like. All right. Well said, well said. Okay. Let's do some plugs then, Keith. Oh, you can reach us at movies, the meal, OG at gmail.com, uh, movies and the meal on Twitter. And please do give us a listen on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. So, um, as we wrap things up, obviously, uh, another hat tip to, uh, to Matt, friend of the podcast, Matt, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for coming Thank on, you Matt. guys. Yes. All right, so but um, for this episode of Movies in the Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith. Brad. Peace. 